0: Welcome to We Grow California with your hosts, Darcy Villery
1: and Darcy Burke,
0: a safe place where we discuss water, agriculture and everything that makes California grow.
1: We have guests from those who just drink water to those that make water policy, all passionate about the water issues that face all Californians today.
0: Join the conversation by liking, subscribing and visiting our website, WeGrowCalifornia.com. Let's get the conversation started.
1: Welcome in everyone. Darcy and I are going to do something a little different today. Many times you've heard us say Darcy versus Darcy, and we've had a number of controversial discussions, including turf removal in urban or suburban settings. But today we're actually on the same page, aren't we, Darcy?
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, at least the topic we're going to talk about, I don't think we're on opposing sides, so that's why we're not going to call it a DVD.
1: No, we're going to call it Dad.
0: We're called Dad, Darcy and Darcy, so I get to tell all the jokes I want.
1: Yes, because you've earned that.
0: Thank you. Yes. You know, once you have a kid or two, they can't stop you anymore.
1: And so for all our listeners that may not know, Darcy just welcomed his first daughter into the household, and now he's a father of three. So congratulations, Darcy. Thank
0: you. No, it's exciting. I'm pleased to have her around now. She balances us out. Mom's not alone anymore with all those boys.
1: Doesn't matter. Mom still is far superior, I'm sure.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: Perfect. So, you know, you hear the governor still talk about drought conditions. Here we are in January 2023, and we've had record snowpack, flooding. State of emergency flooding. Although you still hear from um, certain entities, regulators that were in drought conditions and in any type of drought conditions, we take extreme measures to either save water, move water, buy water, transfer water. And one practice that has been going on, at least in Southern California, with Metropolitan Water District and others, is the concept of fallowing. And we're in the next few weeks. We're going to have quite a few guests that actually talk about different strategies of following and how that plays actually in a water portfolio. So Darcy, why don't you tell our listeners the difference between like fallowing land and retiring land?
0: Well fallow, if people haven't heard the top, you know the the name before, it basically means leaving often I think that what people think of it as normally is it leaving your field devoid of a crop or leaving it empty. And then, uh, and that's basically it. And and depending on what you're doing, it's it's kind of a misnomer for what we do. Cause like you said, there are a lot of kinds of following. Um, and and to us, I don't know how exactly how we want to get started. I can tell you there's a bunch of different kinds of it that we do that I there's like proactive following. There's been following for transfer. And you know, a lot of people do, which I know you were gonna talk about the, the growers and you know, a lot of growers in uh, was it Imperial Valley that do that.
1: And Coachella Valley, yep.
0: Coachella Valley, yeah. They call it fowling for sale, which some people don't like. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, actually, it probably is the best use between, you know, when it's really wet and there's enough, you can grow food and grow things productive for everybody. And then when it's dry, you can bring a little revenue for the farmer, you know.
1: Correct. So I think that one of the pushbacks you hear from some people is you're fouling the land, the farmer or growers being paid for the water that he or she would or would not use or a set price per acre Mm -hmm. to do that and then um, there are impacts to the community on fallowing and where retiring the land is once you retire the land it's no longer productive farmland i think we can agree with that term it's retired quote unquote forever and it's not intended to be farmland anymore but fallowing is usually short term, a year or two, I think five is the maximum I've typically heard. And there is a financial benefit to the grower or farmer to participate in some type of program. And then the water they normally would use to grow tomatoes or cotton or or uh, garlic or onions or any of the great fruit that we enjoy here in, in California, that water is then reallocated to a different use, whether it's a municipal use, whether it's to charge recharge the groundwater basin or whatever. But there is a, a financial benefit. And um, Darcy, we're very fortunate at the Exchange Contractors to have Paul Pereira as the president of the Exchange um, Contractors Political Action Committee. And he has a great saying that farming without financial incentive is called gardening, right? It's true. So there needs to be some benefit to the landowner, to the farmer, to the grower to then not use that water and then we can reallocate the use. So I think you and I agree that that is part of how you manage water appropriately and actually kind of how you manage a farm appropriately. What what I think that controversy can come in is how that impacts the economic viability of a community.
0: And that is around here, that is usually, I mean, there's so much that goes into it. And I appreciate everybody, I want to start this, because this is a really contentious topic around here. It It is, uh, I fully appreciate everybody's position on it. And I don't necessarily, if I were to think of all the different ones right now, disagree with their position. And, ter- you know, it's kind of one of those, it feels at times like everybody's right. But for <laughs> myself, you know, those moments are like, well, that's right. Well, actually, that sounds right, too. It's like, I'm not sure in the situation, it could be either one for me, I, I, I think following for sale uh, for because that's particular kind we're talking about, I think it's beneficial to everybody, especially that uh, if a grower can plan for it, I, I'm i more of a, I, you know, doing it like the exchange contractors do it. Uh, growers can participate in programs like that. But it's pretty limited. It's limited to how many acres in the district it's limited to even just how many times you can even do it. I mean, I'm I'm in favor of the idea, you know, the amount you get to move with us declines over time, because you haven't been farming. It's like your credit you built up goes away. And to be mm-hmm. and truth be told, it's like when we follow well, you get to plant a, you know, not a particularly profitable grain crop there, which is good for the soil. It's good for rotation. And and things like that feel like they benefit absolutely everybody. But I'm, you know, then there's everybody always talks about those long term ones, you know, like you're saying, there's, there's five year deals, there's I know, been talking things have happened in this district, or in the in exchange contractors, and people wanting to do it permanently longer. And that's where it gets into a weird zone for me where I'm like, well, then, you know, I think there needs to be flexibility, and some of it needs to happen. But um, because it, it's an important tool, maybe it should go longer. But I'm, I'm very much—you got to strike the right balance with it, you know. You can hear it in my what? voice how much I'm like, okay, what, what should I say? It's, it's a very. What should you say? And what topic. should
1: you not say? Yeah, it's Sorry, a very.
0: Because I, guess... I don't want anybody to think I'm representing anybody other than my own opinion on it. Because there's a lot of opinions I hear about it.
1: Well, and I think we just need to remind um, those that join us that when it's a Darcy versus Darcy, or in this case, a Darcy and Darcy, it is completely our individual opinions. There are, we're not speaking on behalf of any water agency, any elected body official. It's truly either our experience helping to form our opinions or what we may have learned along the way. It's not I even know,
0: it's literally not even the members of the pack. I'm sure there is a diverse no. opinion inside of that too, you know. But right. we all come but together I, to work on these topics. So it's I think it, at the end of it it's all good.
1: And I think a diversity of thought is always good for a better solution, right? Yeah. Um I think we can see that in a number of places as examples that we won't necessarily get into right now. One of the things, though, that when we have talked to, like uh, Jose Gutierrez, the interim general manager of Westlands Water District, and others, um, I know a group of Madeira farmers feel the same way, when you're taking that farmland out of production, it's more than lost food. It's, you know, the, the individuals that work that farmland, um, farm labor which is a highly skilled job actually I know people don't know that but you know it takes great skill to make sure you're harvesting a crop carefully and and to get the most benefit right that the crop's not hurt that you're picking at the right time that skilled labor is going to go someplace else yeah. right oh and yeah there's nothing to, to pick or harvest at that time they're going to go someone else and you risk are they going to come back Right, Because if you're not planting for a number of years, you're not on the rotation of where they're going to go. The gentleman that sells um, or woman that sells tractors isn't going to sell a tractor maybe for longer. The amount of gas, the gas station um, owner, is not going to sell as much fuel or wholesale fuel. There, there's a lot of implications. You know, in, in California, especially in the Central Valley, you see a lot of stickers that say, my job depends on ag. And if there's no ag, there's no jobs, right? So I really appreciate your perspective of you need to do it strategically. Not only where, but how much and how often. And I know some of the fouling programs Metropolitan has done for over 20 years really has to benefit the community. It, it's not just benefiting that particular grower or farmer. And, and that really makes a difference because you don't want to have a community that grows food be dependent on food boxes
0: oh yeah no absolutely and i i I, uh, you know last year we and then there's the other kind of unfund following i followed you know to make up because it was such a bad year we followed uh some acres in our in the exchange contractors which is supposed to be the you know safest water supply and i proactively followed it and got nothing off of it uh because that's you know what our water supply was and And so it, and it's tough, because you have people that you like, I'm trying, I honestly, genuinely proactively think about because I live out here, you know, I live between Mendota and Firebaugh. And I think about I know the labor contractors really well. And I know their. I know a bunch of their employees, I literally see them in town and say hi to the people that work out there. And I am genuinely trying to, you're trying to make a balance and a mix so that everybody, you get the same people back every year. And you can give them year-round work. I mean, because that's the other thing. They're now with the uh and and I appreciate everything, the reason why it exists, but you know, this holding everybody to the overtime laws um in agriculture has made some of that, I, I feel like it's made it harder on on those on the worker because now, you know, I mean, we've been off. I haven't our guys are, are off right now too, because there's just nothing to do for a month or two because of the rain. And and so you end up uh it, it can throw off everybody's uh, everybody's budgets and what they think they'd be doing could you know during the during the year because it is it is just at, at a lot of it's at will labor. It's like a regular hourly job that's just got a lot of flex in it. And so I think about those folks and try to make sure whatever we're doing keeps everybody going, you know, keeps everybody yeah. in the area going,
1: so Darcy, I have a question for you, especially for our urban listeners. You know, farming, I don't think you wake up in the morning and say, yeah, tomorrow I'm going to plant cotton' Uh, tomorrow I'm gonna to plant tomatoes, and I know that you, in your family farm operation, you're the water resource manager, right? You're the one that figures out. Can you kind of tell our audience how long ahead do you plan for the crop you're going to plant? It's not tomorrow. You just like wake up and say, "Oh, let's plant this."
0: I try. You know, when I used to, uh, it's anywhere from two to three years usually for for us. Um, part is that part of that is trying to project. You know, especially these days, water availability. You're trying to work in uh, the right rotation uh, to make sure you're benefiting your soil. You're also trying to, like I said, make sure you maintain a flexibility um, between That's I feel like these days, especially it's like I, I have higher value crops and lower value crops. And sometimes you're literally just farming the lower value crop to maintain your higher value crop. Like you're having, especially I think growers in Westlands will tell you sometimes you just have blank soil. Because you want to make sure you can, your option to get water stays there. And for us, it's an, even in exchange contractors is to make sure in a low critical water year, okay, I guess I'm following that to maintain my trees. So I, I think about, right. and we've been planning, I've been planning for, for this kind of, for these kind of situations for a decade, you know, just to stay ahead of it. Right. And to that end, the the really un- unfortunate part is some of the plant. you know, no planning you do is never good enough. Um, <laughs> well, it's like the feed up uh, the field and talking to the fields we fouled last year in both Westlands and Firebaugh. Uh, most of them have drip uh, subsurface drip tape in it, which means, yep. and it, it's, it's, we're doing our best to be efficient. I got another step where we want to work on that's really expensive, but it'll save more water.
1: So can you stop for just a minute, Darcy, to tell them what subsurface drip tape is.
0: Well every, it subsurface drip tape is is just the same as the above ground drip hose. It, it's literally you know it's this line under the it's a buried line for us between was it like 10 and 11 inches, I think, be beneath the soil that has these little emitters on them so that you're applying water very specifically and very accurately to your crop row whether it be directly under we have it set up, it oftentimes it's done for a single kind of crop, or only only certain crop mixes, because where the placement of the tape is, and everything is really important. Um, We do it for cotton and tomatoes. And the emitter makes sure you're putting out whatever it says per hour, like whatever the emitter can handle, like say a gallon per minute um, is the is the max, oftentimes, some have half a gallon, two gallon really depends on your soil. And you go bury it in the ground. And the thing is, in the ground, it's like it's great. It's it's actually amazing. We went from spending, I think, when I talked to my ranch manager about it, it's like he says it's amazing because I used to he used to spend so much time just trying to figure out and track his furrow where it was at. Now he's like, I irrigate, and twelve hours later, it, the the field got exactly what it needed, exactly what our uh, neutron probe said, and boom, you're done, and I can get a tractor back out there. The downside, the big downside, is that gophers just don't care about your drip hose. So they will just cleave through it and poke holes all over it. And one time in Westlands, we had a field that we were uh, we were like, okay, we just leave it and you'll come back the next year. Arguably, that's what you would do, except right. you, if you got no water to run in it, it's really hard to find holes in your drip hose without water yeah. running through it. So we spent... I, it was, I, I know the number and it's like, it's like, it was close to like a thousand dollars an acre trying to get yeah. our drip hose holes fixed. Cause we're like, well, we, cause the water showed up. It's like, Oh, suddenly there's enough to go. And you're like, all right. right, let's go do it. And then how do we get this ready in time? Well, we don't have time to rip it out, rework it and put it back in, call the labor crew in and that's not cheap. And they're, you're running mm-hmm. a little water just enough. And you're like fixing hole after hole after hole. And you think you found all of it. You run a little more water there's even more holes and so it's not like it's a thin like a light switch you can turn on and off and it's a big investment and and it's what everybody whenever I talk to people like have you, you know are you doing drip are you doing you know micro sprinkler which is another form of water savings right. like, yeah but it doesn't the gophers it, love
1: it <laughs> gophers
0: love it and guess what coyotes love your drip hose on on above ground on oh, trees so guys out there yeah and if it they break one and it floods you could have trees falling over your flood. And when do you find it, you know, some of these blocks are so big, it can take a while, you know, I've guys that drive around it and they go just looking for that. That's a big part of what they do now these days Our irrigators mm-hmm. is look for holes. And so, you know, it's, uh, it's great. It's expensive, but you end up, I, I found most of what we found last year was this super efficient water savings thing. Cause you're like, I, you plan to the limit and you go, all right, you just start making the making the best worst choice you can. I go, all right, we're following this one. And we're following that one. Okay, what do we got? Can we do that? Nope. Okay, we're going to follow that one too. Do you take the risk? Do you go, okay, I got just enough water. Maybe I can get by. But what if it's hotter? Because then suddenly you go yep. from, yeah, you go right. You go from, oh, my, wa- wait, why did I use? And this is what I learned as doing this. When you think about it, I was like, <laughs> why did it take 20% more this year over here? Oh, that's right. It was in just crazy hot this summer right so and I dry did, right yeah and dry and it didn't have enough and you got to go either see if you can buy more water or for me it was eating into reserve that i kind of planned in and then that changes your crop mix later so that's me just having one of my usual things where i could just go on forever about a single topic but it yeah you plan it out way in advance all the time
1: right so that's why i think strategic following it is more effective it's it's part of your overall farm management plan when you can plan for it not when the state's saying no you don't have any water so surprised you can't grow anything i think it's more or less collaborative right we we can we can come up with a plan where you can move water um, maybe reduce in a certain area and i like you said you know preserve your more uh, higher value crops or your trees one of the things i wonder about and uh, i have the pleasure of driving up and down the five regularly as you know um is the dust right so when especially in the more south part of the great central valley when those those fields are dry and they've been dry for a while the dust storms that come up are can be significant right and the only way to fix that is to irrigate them right or to put a polymer down or something that you know reduces the dust so I think again, back to your strategy: where you do it, how you do it, how often you do it, and for how long, really has to be part of the overall conversation.
0: Yeah, because you've heard me complain on this podcast about I'm not the biggest <laughs> fan. I, I don't want. It, it's it, the concepts of it were so different back then, so it's like I don't want to get too upset with people in the history, but <laughs> you know, like the Broadview retirement, and it's like it's it's just a chronic problem now, and it was it was bought out. Um, but it was at Watsonville, I think, and, it, you know, and I think it was Watsonville over, you know, and to move the water over there permanently, it's like, and now it's just this, just to get a disc it and you got to maybe mm-hmm. grow some farm, you know, grow something on it. And it's still, we're working on it. And there's retired ground over here in Westlands too. We're trying to figure out how best to manage it, but it, it is a real headache if it's been put to it and it comes back out and it's like, well, who's paying for it? Who's dealing with it at this point? You know, right? Like who who's whose job is it to really make this not be, especially, like I said, the disking part is particularly bad because then it's just kicking you know if you if you had to disc it to keep it clean because some of these ground that is required and it just pff, there goes all your co2 and all the dust into the atmosphere you know
1: right so it's it's causing other problems right no good deed goes unpunished as, yeah as i mean it was it like was, was never say. thought of
0: to be that it's a lot of things in the water in the world it was never considered that would be a long-term issue and it turns out guess what you know so it is yeah
1: right Um, I know there's a lot of uh, discussion about, uh, especially in the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act, that talks about permanently retiring like a million acres. Yeah, And I I think I want our audience to understand, like the following that Darcy and I are talking about is very strategic. It's for a short amount of time. There is financial benefit to the farmer, which actually improves the financial benefit to the community because you're still making those investments within your business, which means buying a tractor, maybe, you know, fuel you're you're still an economical component of the community versus retiring where that's not ever going to come back right yet and and that is when you have you know communities truly shutting down because there's no work there's there's nothing to keep those those people there they have to move on to find something else and obviously in a community that might have a lot of Ag line, retired, that's housing values, that's you know, education, that's healthcare, that's all those things that a community depends on that if you happen to stay, you're not going to have access to because it's gonna go away. And you're not gonna have the tax base to continue the community. Right. So um, I think people need to understand what we're talking about is not the permanent retirement of farmland.
0: Yeah. We're talking we about talking rotational about, rotational farm a right. rotational you like said strategic rotational following which even you know in, in the exchange contractors we have rotational following that allows uh you to transfer water from uh from the exchange contractors to to i think four different federal districts which has been a great benefit and for for instance in uh in fireball you know we have drainage uh issues at times and we've, we've worked really hard on it the district's made great strides but following for us has been quite beneficial because you get to dry out, you get to come back for me when whenever we've done um, a new drip project, we usually are are following for a year and we transfer the water out and use it elsewhere. And then that gives us that calendar year to go put the hose in and do everything we do a cover crop, and then we go put the hose in and then we get that crop off. And then we and i don't get money out of that. One. That was just, you know, we're moving the water, do something else with it. And then you get to put your drip in and then you're right back going using a lot less. That benefits right. every, everybody in the district really all the drip we've been impl- like installed i think we're at 90 percent, something like that fireball is a heavily heavily uh heavily drip district at this point
1: so when i first started going to the central valley and i was on the east side of the valley or on the fresno selma side i had visited a number of farms that had flood irrigation and you know um at first i was like oh my gosh they're wasting so much water right And then I realized that that's how we're recharging our groundwater basin as well, right? So that surface water that they move through their canals and they flood their crop percolates down and recharges the groundwater not everywhere but where the ground is receptive not talking clay i'm not talking that i'm talking where it's ideal and what i thought was ironic in the sustainable groundwater management act is they wanted them to change to drip irrigation and then take adjacent farmland and retire it in order to make it a recharge basin
0: you know, it's like you said, I, I like to think in every district and over time, because it takes a long time for change to happen with within anything, mm-hmm. especially in agriculture. But it, it it is that, listen, even if that's a good idea, because it, it might be, I actually don't think that everybody, everybody gets to decide Um, it's problematic and it can be just cost prohibitive to a grower. This stuff is getting very, very expensive and you're casually saying, do this. And as we've complained about in a previous one, you're willing to do to just write that in there willy nilly. And then, do I get the sixty-eight thousand dollars an acre that you're paying to retire turf down in LA? Because yeah, I could get you a ton of ground. You want to do something like that? I could get you. A, like, <laughs> give me. Okay, come, come, pay me to convert. Help us convert, and maybe right. we can get that to work. But even then, that's not that simple. Like I feel like we've spent on this farm. We've gone. The first drip field went in in two thousand seven, and I feel like we're still learning the best way to do it just on our ground that my family's farmed for like. 70 years you know it's like and and had this technology for almost 20 that we've used and you're still trying to get your hands around it so don't think it's just easy to switch over because farmers remember we put a huge investment into this stuff into our crop into the things we do people went that's the funny thing like I think it could be better but I don't blame a farmer for not wanting to change because every who knows how many people around them went bankrupt the stress that they went to get there years of the lives they spent struggling mm-hmm. to do it and then you and and then they get to some, and then they finally find something that works and you're telling them to change i totally appreciate the right. appreciation. <laughs> like and spend how much well, to change I mean, but- it's just the thought of it would make any even you know i could totally appreciate everybody right up front like yeah no i'm good no i'm not doing that you know
1: well i mean it's somebody else telling you how to run your business
0: Man, it's a tough, it's a stubborn bunch of guys sometimes, you know what I mean? <laughs> and like I just said, all that history they just spent to get there, I appreciate why they don't want anyone telling them what to do, you know?
1: Well, and how to spend their money. Cause again, farming without financial incentive is gardening.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. Right? Yeah.
1: And that's not that's not what it's about. Gardening, you're it's in subsistence business.
0: farming, I guess. You know, it's oh. it's what other oh, people in the go. rest of the world has yep. to live with, unfortunately. And I mean, we set this up so people can go do other things, beneficial things for society. And that's, you know, we're, we're grateful to be able to eat and live the way we are with so easy to swing by a grocery store and pick up whatever you want, you know?
1: Right. But the food doesn't magically grow in the grocery store. Yeah, no, I know. Right. And that's what, that's why we're here. We talk about these things. It's just for everybody, right. you know, what? for
0: ourselves and for, for other, you know, for other people and appreciate what we all do, you know?
1: Well, and I want to remind our audience that on the EC water pac.com website we have forms where you can put in questions for this podcast you can suggest topics you can suggest guests so we enjoy our either darcy versus darcy and if you didn't turn and listen to the turf removal conversation i think it was one of our better um dialogues um or will you just have a topic you want us to talk about you know water is so complex and so is ag there's Plenty of things we can talk about, but we'd love to have your input.
0: Absolutely. I
1: wanna thank our listeners for joining in and listening to our Darcy and Darcy episode today where we were talking about following. I have a lot of exciting guests planned, don't we Darcy? Coming up? Yes, we do.
0: I'm looking forward, we're gonna record some more today. We're gonna to be having a great year with us, I think.
1: So please visit ecwaterpack.com, uh, subscribe and listen to some past episodes and give us your input.
0: You've been listening to a We Grow California podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer or would be interested in being a guest, please check out our website, wegrowcalifornia.com. Sound and audio engineering provided by postandjam.com.